Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another amazing episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And if you missed last week, I definitely encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, we talked to, uh, what was the gentleman's name, Eric? John Kozik. Kozik. I, I knew it was John, but I couldn't think of his last name. Uh, about Ouija boards and talking boards. Uh, we decided to start off the Christmas year with that because... We've done so many different things throughout the years for Christmas. We wanted to change it up and to encourage people to, if you're going to get your kids a Ouija board for Christmas, definitely do your research and educate them before they just walk into it blindly like Eric and I did as kids and summoned up stuff we probably should have summoned up. But, I mean, in all fairness... If we hadn't, would we have a podcast today? <laughs> Probably, the paranormal? Not. Probably not. <laughs> or have done Fate. numerous investigations or. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fate should have it that we were going to mess with those boards unknowingly. <laughs> Waiting for un- whatever was going to happen. Definitely unlocked the doorway in multiple ways for us. Quick random fact before we go moving on. Not really a fact, more of just a curiosity because <laughs> I'm over here drinking a uh, half of a Moscow mule. And I say half because I'm missing half the ingredients for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's just vodka? <laughs> yeah, no, it is the vodka and uh, uh, the ginger beer, but I'm missing oh. the ice and the lime. So. Oh. <laughs> I just calling it the the uh, Moscow Mule instead of the Mule. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but with that said, uh, you know I, I I'm I'm drinking um, it's the the ginger beer is cock and bull. You might have heard of it. No, of it. it's pretty common. Uh, but something I just realized that I never really paid attention to is if you take a sip of something that's highly carbonated, and you just let it bubble in your mouth. Your cheeks slowly expand because of the gas that's being produced by those bursting bubbles. The carbonation. Scientific experimentation on Paratruth Radio, folks. You heard it right here. Yeah. I've I've been sitting in the studio for quite a while and started getting (laughs) bored and noticing things I probably would probably (laughs) not have noticed. (laughs) So you sat in the studio and did nothing? I mean, I did a little research stuff. I did some research and then I got... (laughs) done with that then i started looking at books like new books and stuff that i want to purchase and i'm turning i mean the, you guys don't know but I just i think i talked to you a little bit about it um maybe i don't it's nice you know how it is <laughs> um so i have a i'm a collector 
uh, we I know we've talked about collectors quite a few times on the show. We've had a few collectors on with us. Um, uh, I so I have a room dedicated to statues and figures from like comic book characters, movies, things like that. Um, I'm actually moving all of those into my studio. So they're going to, you guys won't see it, but Justin will. They're all going to be behind me now. So I'm going to have this full lighted display in the studio now. Uh, and then the statue room is going to become a library slash study. That's where all the books are going. My writing desk is going in there. Uh, a couple of lounging stuff and a little bar. So with that said, I was just like looking at some more books that I want to add to the library uh, because why not? <laughs> pretty much that's that's pretty much it uh but yeah no i've also been looking at colors because i want to like paint the room of course uh because right now it's like a it's shark fin and gray i'm so tired of gray so i wanted to not brighten it up i still want like a dark uh, aesthetic that's just i like the dark aesthetic um but i've been looking at various hues of a deep blue uh and deep greens things like that so for everybody out there, if you want to get something for Eric for Christmas, get him a book. Mm -hmm. It could be any random book, and we'll make him read it and do a review on it on Paratruth Radio. Or Please keep it somewhat family-friendly, <laughs> though. Or if we ever do get to end up uh, releasing the other podcast we want to do, that can be a little more raunchy and <laughs> we could do a review that way too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we decided for today is we're just going to kind of reminisce on some of the stuff we've talked about in the past. We have done this in previous years, but uh, it's always fun to kind of relook at stuff. And I, I actually already found some stuff that I'm not even sure we even covered, uh, on our, our Monsters slash Cryptids of Christmas episode. Uh, this article goes back to 2013. I don't remember if we had pulled it up for any other episode, but it has, at the very beginning, Krampus, of course. Uh, the best-known anti-claws character there is out there. Uh, if you don't know who, who Krampus is, uh, he's basically a demon that would ride with St. Nicholas. Um, I, I believe it was, he would be there before St. Nicholas, like, like a week before, if I'm remembering correctly. And he would punish bad children by stealing them, beating them in a sack, sometimes eating them, carrying them to hell. The The legends go on and on and on. What well, I, and go ahead. you had said, you, had, you had mentioned uh, just momentarily there uh, that, Krampus would ride with St. Nicholas. Um, and then you you switched over to say, you know, he would show up a week prior. But you were you're actually correct on that first part too, because I re I recall back in two thousand and I think it was two thousand seven, two thousand eight, when we first started our podcast on Blog Talk Radio, uh, we Krampus was one of the very first things we ever talked right. about. And during our research then we did find it. And it's a little harder to find it nowadays because it's just the internet is saturated with so much more right. info. Um, but there was a belief or maybe is somewhere out there where he would actually ride on the sleigh with St. Nicholas. So Santa Claus would be accompanied by a small demon who would basically more or less take care of the quote unquote naughty children by filling their uh, stockings with coal, 
throwing them into sacks, carrying them away, uh, you know, things that things that would terrify them as opposed to bring them that spirit of joy. Right. I think uh, I forget the actual pronunciation, but basically Krampus Day is like a couple of days or a week before actual Christmas. And then he he does also ride with Santa. Yes, I mm-hmm. I didn't look up the dates at all because it's been one of those days, folks. Um, so one that I I don't remember if we've ever talked about. Have we ever talked about Mary Louise, the Christmas zombie horse? No. Okay. So this one. Looked interesting. The pictures are interesting. Uh, This macabre skeleton mare of Welsh tradition rises from the dead and wanders the streets with her attendants who are also fresh from the grave to remind the living of their existence. Mary Louise Lewide, uh, it's L-W-Y-D, has only one goal in mind, to get into your house. To keep the zombie horse out, you must engage in a battle of wits, in rhyme no less, usually on New Year's Eve, where the undead mare is represented by a puppeteer parading a horse skull on a pole draped in white cloth. Hmm. The next one on this list is La Bafana and Babushka. Again, we have talked about the, these characters, but um, in Italy, Russia, and parts of Eastern Europe, we encounter a witch-like lady rooted in the fairy tale figure of Mother Hall, H-O-L-L-E, who doles out punishments for the lazy and riches for the hardworking. In Italy, she is known as La Bafana, in Russia, Babushka. Each journey... Each January, sorry, she packs up and sets off on a broomstick to join the three kings who are also seeking the Christ child. She searches every house, and if she finds a child there, she leaves cookies and gifts behind. You know, along the lines of that is a a character by the name of Perchta or Birchta, and this is a Central European tradition um, in which a, a female witch figure would also give out presents or doles out punishments um, depending on the child. But one thing in particular, so your wife sent us something uh, as as of the recording of this episode (laughs) yesterday regarding a female Krampus. And so I had to do a little looking into this. Uh, And this witch figure is actually kind of lines up with with Krampus in a way only because there's been depictions of her with horns uh, sometimes with an animalistic looking face or uh, body but for the most part uh, you know she she was represented as being human and then being accompanied by something that looks like Krampus now when I was looking into this idea of a female Krampus uh, I started to find that there isn't really any lore on her other than this witch, this this Christmas witch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, where a lot of the lore comes from in terms of a female version of Krampus is really just in the Christmas cards that existed uh, over the centuries. Uh, it, for whatever reason, there are various companies that started depicting uh, beautiful women, girls with like 
uh, porcelain looking skin faces uh, and then adding horns and long tongues and then they were carrying uh, men like little tiny men in their backpacks or chaining them up to walls or beating them with a broom uh, things like that sounds like a Saturday <laughs> night to me <laughs> whoa <laughs> whoa uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, th- there's really no rhyme or reason that I can find as to why they started making these type of things other than the fact that in terms of media, sex sells. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's possible that they were just trying to link the two. However, there's been depictions of these women also seducing or uh, at the very least forcing or causing Krampus to submit to them as if women were a weakness to Krampus. Uh, of course, a lot of these show Krampus as being, you know, head over heels for the girl, uh, bringing her glasses of alcohol, uh, asking her to marry him, things like that. Uh, I don't know the exact reason behind all that, other than to show some sort of humanity behind the creature itself that is Krampus, or to sh- if they're trying to show that, like, it, back in the day, this is like the 1800s, early 1900s, um, they were trying to depict women as being something more, uh, maybe more, uh, what do you call it? Like having a darker side, I guess, mm. you know, well, kind of what the, that, that... the witch is all about in general really is right. showing darkness of women. Right. And so, you know, and we, we've seen like, or there, there are depictions of a witch riding a broom and on the back of the broom is Krampus, uh, very similar to how we would see Santa and Krampus riding in the sleigh together. Uh, but it was always almost depict, always depicted that Krampus was kind of like the witch's familiar in a way. So, the, you know, this little devil creature uh, who would follow her around and do her bidding as necessary. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because Perkta is the next one on this list. Okay. Um, and... For those of you that don't remember this particular witch, um, her punishment of choice involves slashing open your stomach so she may violently rip out your intestines, then replace it with straw, rocks, and garbage. But you brought up this Krampus creature that rides with her. And there's actually a name for this creature. It's called the Stragil, Stragil, S-T-R-A-G-G-E-L-E. In many places, such as Switzerland, Perkta rides with a throng of demonic-looking helpers known as Stragil, who love to partake of the feast offerings left out for them on Christmas by people hoping for Perkta's blessing of wealth and health in the new year. In some places, Stragil get to dole out the punishments themselves and aren't terribly discerning as they rob all bad children and tear them to pieces in the air. Hmm. Well, so much for a joyful time of year. Another one I don't think we've ever talked about, the Tom Ten. Okay. Do you recognize that name at all? I don't. Okay. So this creature is kind of like a gnome-like creature. 
Again, Scandinavian folklore who bears a resemblance to a gnome lives among the dead inside burial mounds. The Tomten acts as a caretaker, protector, and helper of the household. That is, if you don't anger him. The Tomten has quite the temper and is known for driving people insane with his tricks or biting them. The bites, being poisonous, typically lead to death. You would be well advised to leave a gift of food out on Christmas Eve for this fellow. Uh, let's see, we've got Belsnickel and Pierre Futard, who are very similar in origin. Um, I'm not going to go through all of these because we have talked about them about numerous times in the past. Uh, Gryla, which is the giant troll woman who eats bad children. Uh, the Yule lads who accompany her. The Yule cat, which is... I'm a fan of the Yule cat. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of cats, but by far my favorite, and it always is the first creature that comes to mind if we talk about Christmas monsters. Um, but something that... I was thinking about when you were talking about the the witch and female Krampus is maybe that goes back to uh, telling ghost stories on Christmas. And they would talk about I mean, the witch. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. You know, the, the one thing that I see that it's common amongst many of these stories in terms of uh, <clears throat> the witch or, or Krampus in that in that case is that you're basically striking, trying to strike fear into children. You, you, you're using fear as leverage to try to make them act obedient. Uh, and of course, along around Christmas, we're always hearing songs about or telling stories of or hearing stories uh, of how you have to be good in order for Santa to bring you and leave you gifts. Um, so I think that was the biggest case here. Is it was more of a I hate to call it political, you know, but it's definitely societal in the sense that people wanted to uh, get their kids acting straight uh, around this time of year, especially when you're considering all the events that are happening nowadays. Um, you know, you go to various families, gatherings and parties and things like that. You want your kids to be on the best behavior possible. Uh, so not to embarrass you. <laughs> as mm -hmm. you know, I know I've done many times to my own parents and I'm sure you had to growing up um but yeah you know i i definitely think that goes along you're right the, the, the same lines as many of the ghost stories that have been told so this is actually another topic we've talked about past years um and still something that kind of fascinates me is the ghost stories on christmas now this is mm. goes back to victorian times uh, it was actually a common tradition to share ghost stories around the fire uh, during Christmas time. It was one of the biggest ones that everybody knows is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. He was actually trying to uh, sort of renew this tradition because it was dying out a little bit when he wrote A Christmas Carol. Um, something I didn't know, and maybe you did, is um, Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven actually takes pl 
place in December, so it's kind of considered in that same tradition as well. Really? Yeah. I mean, is that all it takes is to like tell a story in December and automatically it's a Christian story? Uh, dude, look at Gremlins. Look at Die Hard. Okay. Both of those are considered, quote unquote, considered Christmas. Quote unquote. Well, except that both. Yes. Okay. Yes. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) Gremlins, absolutely. That's probably my favorite, one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Um, But those movies also, like, they don't just take place in December. They do take place in Christmas. You see the Christmas trees, you see the gifts, you see the celebrations, things like that. Uh, Even Christmas music playing. But if I'm not mistaken, the poem, I mean, if it takes place in December, it doesn't talk about Christmas specifically. It doesn't. It just says the bleak month of December. Hmm, okay. I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. I want to argue it, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it, it goes on and on with, what stories were told and, and created during this time frame. Um, but it also talks about historically December 25th actually had a closer link to pre-Christian festivals that honored the winter solstice than with Christianity. Uh, mistletoe, holly berries, wreaths, and yule logs, for instance, are all pagan symbols and celebrations like Yuletide's uh, symbolically celebrate death of light and the longest night of the year. So with that being said, this article is kind of hinting at truly it does go well beyond the Victorian era because the pagan cultures were actually celebrating the death of light. And in some way, they probably were telling stories of... of um ghost stories sort of back then, it, but it was more along their traditions rather than it's you're telling a ghost story for Christmas. Right. Well, and now that you've mentioned that, I, I, I don't know how much further you're planning on going there, but I kind of want to steer in a different direction in terms of the history of Christmas and what it's actually based off of now that you've mentioned uh, the reference to pagan holidays, if that's okay. That's, yeah, that's that's pretty much it that I had okay. pulled up. Okay. So in terms of pagan holidays, our current version of Christmas, which, mind you, is very uh, commercialized, right? But even still, even with the commercialization, uh, prior to that was more of a Christian holiday. And prior to that still was, of course, the pagan Roman holiday, which is what Christmas nowadays is actually based off of. Uh, so that pagan uh, Roman pagan holiday was called Saturnalia. Do you know anything about Saturnalia? Uh, the name sounds familiar, but I don't know if I've ever actually looked it up. Okay. So, I mean, Saturnalia, uh, basically in Rome, uh, where winters were not as harsh as those like in the far north, uh, Saturnalia was a holiday in honor of Saturn, the god of agriculture. So, mainly because there was no winter. Now, 
beginning in the week leading up to the winter solstice and continuing continuing for a full month, Saturnalia was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and the normal Roman social order was turned upside down for an entire month, where basically enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. Businesses and schools were closed so that everyone could participate in the holiday festivities And also, around the time of the winter solstice, Romans observed Juvenalia, a feast honoring the children of Rome. Now, in addition to this, members of the upper class often celebrated the birthday of Mithra, the god of of the unconquerable sun, on December 25th. And it was believed that Mirtha, an infant of God, was born of a rock. Now, for some years, uh, or for some Romans, Mirtha's birthday was the most sacred day of the year. So it was only, of course, a matter of time before Christianity came around and said, hey, hey, let's take this over, right? Let's let's use December 25th uh, for for our own purposes. Now, with that said, in early Christianity... Easter was really the only holiday that was celebrated, the main holiday uh, in regard to Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus wasn't really known at the time. And to this day, it's only speculated because the Bible doesn't tell us. In fact, many scholars believe or theologians believe that Jesus' birth happened sometime in the spring for the simple fact that there were uh, there, there, there were what do you call them? Uh, can't think of the word. Uh, um, what do you call like the guys who, who shepherds? There were shepherds. Oh, shepherds. Yeah. A flock of sheep. And that is something that you wouldn't normally see in the winter. So uh, shepherds with their flocks of sheep would only be within the, during the warmer times of the year. Uh, and oh, for the simple okay. fact that these people were in the story kind of tells us that it was most likely uh, that they were, he was born in spring. Anyway, going back to Saturnalia, people decorated their homes. And, and mind you, this is going to sound very similar to what we do today. Uh, people decorated their homes with wreaths and other greenery and shed their traditional togas in favor of colorful clothes known as synthesis. Even enslaved people did not have to work during Saturnalia but instead were allowed to participate in festivities. And in some cases, they sat at the head of the table while their masters served them. Uh, This was a time in which during those days, uh, even the rich, even those who were, uh, who had slaves would believe in giving back, believing that they owed something uh, for all that they had. And so they would kind of allow uh, their 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 slaves, and they would allow their like homeless people to kind of be gathered into homes and treated as if they were rich, uh, and they would even crown people uh, as like the basically the person uh, of the year. Like this person would be weighted down hand and feet. Mm. Um, now, when Christianity basically thanks to like the Roman Empire's conquest in Britain. And the rest of Europe uh, from 2nd century BC to the 4th century AD, 
Uh, and of course, there's suppression of older seasonal rites practiced by the Celts and other groups. Uh, many of today's Western cultures derive their traditional beliefs from the midwinter uh midwinter festivities of Saturnalia. The Christian holiday of Christmas especially owes many of its own traditions to ancient Roman festivals, including the time of year Christmas is celebrated, uh, such as Jesus's birth being the same day that Mithla was supposedly born and celebrated, which is December 25th. Now, pagans and Christians coexisted at one point, although not always well, uh, during this period. And it's likely represented a effort to convince the remaining pagan Romans to accept Christianity as Rome's official religion. Before the end of the 4th century, many of the traditions of Saturnalia, including giving gifts, singing, lighting candles, feasting, and merrymaking, whatever that means, <laughs> uh, had become absorbed by the traditions of Christmas uh, and Christians, as many of us know them today. So really, this was a religious act, I think. The, the idea of Christmas was mainly a religious act and a political one to try to convert the original or the remaining Roman pagans uh, over to Christianity by getting them to celebrate uh, in a Christian holiday by basically just merging two different holidays together. Um, it's the same thing that we've seen and we've talked about with like St. Patrick, for example, and mm -hmm. how he merged various holidays in, in the Celtic uh, countries for, you know, for, for example, like just the simple idea of the, the three leaf clover and what, what it represents, you know. Uh, so we, we see this time and time again throughout history and how Christianity basically evolved was by manipulating and taking portions of what currently existed and adapting it into its own traditions now for me this is going off on a little bit of a rant but it's it's interesting because you know over the years as someone who uh studied religion someone who wanted to be a pastor someone who spent quite a lot of time in church uh between 2009 and 2013 we always, and even to this day, we find people of the church who are like, oh, well, you know, Christmas is this, it's a Christian holiday, it's of God, and so on and so forth. But what they continue to exclude is the fact that it was a stolen holiday uh, from the original pagan belief systems, uh, and that really what we're doing is the same thing that any other person would have done over the centuries thousands of years ago even, we're just worshiping a different God, if you're a Christian, uh, a different God and celebrating a different God than what they did. And, you know, that comes back to what we've talked about numerous times on the show is the belief behind something, the belief in symbols, the belief in uh, whether or not ghosts exist, whether or not gods exist. You know, it all comes down to your own personal view on life and the world. Well, and also vice versa. We've come across um, several Christian people that won't celebrate celebrate Christmas because it um, embraces those pagan traditions. Mm -hmm. um, no, you're right. And I know exactly what type of people you're talking about. <laughs> We've had our fair share of encounters over the years. 
but um, it's I, I'm gonna word it this way, and please don't take offense if you're Christian or whatever. But any um, dominating culture would basically do the exact same thing. Uh, it, originally, it was the Greek pantheon, and the, the Greeks were conquered by the Romans. So guess what? The Romans basically in, entangled, sort of. I, I, that's not the right word I'm thinking of. Uh, but it would it would bring it brought Rome uh, Greek pantheon into their belief system. So Zeus became Saturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ares became Mars, and and so on and so forth. Um, so every every conquering culture has done the exact same thing, more or less. Right. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and, and thinking about that, it's you know I, I came across something recently it was a book actually that just popped up i think on social on social media maybe um and it was i think the title is the parallel is it the parallel verses or parallel parables uh of buddha and jesus and i'm mm. assuming it's a book that just shows the parallels between the things that they said uh which is interesting or intriguing in the fact that there are or have been so many religions trying to overstep another, trying to take over, if you will, um, which makes me think like if it, whatever those, I, I know a few of the parables, a few of the stories uh, that are parallel uh, to each other. But <clears throat> with that said, it, it just goes to show again, like how can we trust that what Jesus said in the Bible, that are parables that are similar to Buddha's, aren't actually just Buddhas that are being then, you know, put into Jesus's mouth. Um, right. We don't know, you know, we really don't know. And that kind of just goes along with the people that we've met who believe that Buddha and Jesus are one and the same, you know, or that all these different uh, prophets, if you will, are one and the same, uh, just appearing at different times throughout world history. And if that's the case, there's a belief that there's yet another prophet to, Reemerge, sorry, reemerge at some point down the line, uh, but the truth is, we the fact is, we just don't know, right? Well, there's also been um, beliefs that, not necessarily Buddha, but uh, that Jesus roamed the earth before his adulthood, where he created his his. Uh, not religion. What's the word I'm thinking of? I don't know. His, his <laughs> <laughs> created his um when he started getting uh, the gospels. His his God. his gospels and and his his ministry ministry his ministry yeah um but people believe that he went and learned from multiple mystics and and cultures throughout the world um and and that's why we have that gap in the bible because first and foremost it, we all know christianity has 
torn anything out of the Bible that they felt wasn't in their scope of, of what Christianity should be. Right. Um, well, this is mainly regarding the Roman Catholics who had, had done this. Well, there, there. I mean, you have the the apocrypha that had um, so many different things. You have you have also have the Dead Sea Scrolls that have basically been named apocryphal from certain Christian religions. Um, mm-hmm. But I've seen a couple of different books that say that they believe that Christ went and learned, and maybe he learned not necessarily from Buddha himself, but Buddhists or Buddhism. Um, there are Buddhists that believe that the Buddha constantly is reincarnated into this world. Uh, so who knows? I mean, like I said, the conquering culture basically brings in the religion from from the ones that they're conquering. But who's to say that maybe Jesus was real or wasn't real? Who knows? But if Jesus was real, he would have had to have learned different things until he started his ministry in his 30s and he was eventually crucified. Right. Well, first of all, Jesus was real. That is historical. That's historical ac- historically accurate. There is 100% evidence supporting that. The question is whether or not he was God. Um, it's a fact that he was a prophet. Uh, it's a fact that he died on the cross. Everything that happened after that is what's up for debate. Uh, because just a lot of people can't believe in the idea of somebody coming back from the dead. Um, and go ascending into heaven and all that. But I do agree with you. Like the, the, it would make sense that he would at least in some way travel, uh, maybe not the world, but within his region. To well, learn because, right, right. You know, it is constantly teached, taught in the Christian tradition that Jesus was both, uh, 100% man and 100% God. Uh, but if that's the case, then regardless that side that's fully human would still need to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yep. and the God aspect though, there always wouldn't come into full power uh, until the age of 33, when he was baptized and the spirit descended upon him. So according to the gospels. Right. Well, and I, I guess most uh, me even even though I, I've studied the Bible not as extensively as, as you or others, but I, I guess nobody ever really realizes that until he was baptized, he was basically I hate to say it this way, fresh meat <laughs> because he was born human. Um, he yeah there's there's little comments mentioned you know there's little things mentioned throughout the gospels uh in which it states that even as a child he remained sinless uh now that's not to say he wasn't tempted by whatever you would call sin you know Mm. um but even as a child he was able to overcome it and flee from it ignore it whatever and remain sinless in all his ways Uh, and i'm sure that is has a lot to do with the God aspect uh, that was constantly with him from from birth. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny. It's made me think of this. I, I don't know why. It's a little random. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when you mentioned when you'd said, uh, you know, questioning whether or not, regardless of whether Jesus was real or not, I knew somebody years ago who argued with me that dinosaurs weren't real. It was a government ploy. I re- no, not a government ploy. It was basically people trying to to um, disclaim the Bible that something, it, whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, this, this kid. <laughs> I just remember didn't, he refused. I mean, he was he was eighteen. He's like, I no dinosaurs don't exist. Everything in the natural history museums are fake. Uh, it's all just made up. <laughs> You know, there are certain there are certain things you just don't you don't argue with. Like there are moments in my life where I say, you know what? I'm not even gonna bother. I'm just there's no <laughs> winning this. I mean to his credit, he's not necessarily wrong in the fact that the stuff that is in museums isn't necessarily real because they do a lot of times find partial fossils that they have to recreate out of out of uh resin or whatever but that's not to say that what they found isn't real right it's just they have to recreate things um but it's not the first time you and i i well i shouldn't say it's not the first time it's been multiple times that we've heard that from other people after you heard it from him Mm -hmm. as well so, and that goes, all of this goes back to the whole thing of how uh, we've talked about several times in the past, how religion and science actually separated when really it was kind of one and the same at one point. Right. At one, you're right. At one point it was just like how magic, many people say, is just a science we don't quite understand yet. Right. And. I think that's a a very good uh, analogy to because I should say this too. A lot of stuff that we would call science today would have been considered magic in history, Mm -hmm. in former history. So, um, all right, folks, we are about uh, at the halfway point. So we're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio right here on Evergreen Podcasts, Killer Podcasts, and uh, you're going to hear a quick commercial, and you'll be right, right back with Paratruth Radio. Hey, hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. 
And I'm Justin. And we've been talking a little bit about just some of the things that we've shared over the years regarding Christmas. Yuletide, Man- Yuletide Monsters, uh, the origins of Christmas, of course, uh, various ghost stories, things like that. Uh, I mean, if you've been with us this whole time, you already know. And if you're just joining us, I don't know how many times we're going to have to say this, but it makes no sense. Yeah, listen from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) They just go to pass the commercial and they're like, yeah, we just want to hear the post show. Right. Uh, Anyway. So, yeah, I mean, where are we going from here? What what do you think? Um, Well, I guess what are some of your favorite things that we've talked about uh, for, for Christmas? I know we talk about it every year, but I think it's becoming a tradition. So, yeah, I mean, you know, every time, I guess I kind of, kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but every time we even think about Christmas in general, and this is more regarding the Christmas episode that we usually do uh, or used to do. And that is, the Krampus episode, the original Krampus mm. episode that we did, because back then it wasn't just information on the internet that we were finding. I mean, it was, but like we didn't have laptops in front of us the entire time looking at stuff. It wasn't fast enough. Right. You know, I, I had like a desktop, a PC that my parents <laughs> right. had that just <laughs> didn't want to do anything. Right. So we would show up at a little card table in the basement of my parents' house and we would have a binder full of paper, printed papers that told us everything we needed to know about Krampus that day and any other information that we had throughout those episodes early on. And like thinking back to then and how crappy the audio was, how horrible blog talk was, how cold it was in the basement, how late it was midnight yeah. going to like one or two a.m. because those were two hour episodes. Because we were doing it live on top of that. And doing it live. Uh, some of the weirdest we had some of the weirdest times back then folks who like <laughs> people would call in people would really after 12 a.m if you're doing a live show be careful because <laughs> there are some wackos out there <laughs> um but yeah you know i think back to that 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 early uh krampus episode i still remember the image in my head of krampus with his stick dragging mm. a child behind him um, I think he had a, a kid in his sack as well, like yeah. the legs sticking out. Yeah, so I, I think that's what I go to when, when I think of it. And we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff, but that's the one for me. I think like I mentioned when I was talking about the, the monsters is, yeah, Krampus does come to mind, and it's one of my favorites, but the Yule Cat always, I, I guess it's just because I never realized there was more creatures that were associated with Christmas than mm-hmm. Santa Claus, the elves, and then eventually Krampus. But the Yule Cat is is not only just a cat, it's a giant black cat. And right. it it just it's one of those ones that always stick with me. Right. Um For that sure. and the ghost stories basically kind of why I brought all of those up is because it's been my favorite things we've talked about over the years because I mean, you and I both love ghost stories and and you know how much I, I would want to bring that tradition back of telling ghost stories during Christmas. And we, we really kind of have cinematically over the years too. 
Um, mm-hmm. Well, there's still time this month. We've got a few episodes left before <laughs> right. the end, before January. <laughs> Maybe that's what our Christmas episode should be: is telling some ghost stories for Christmas. Yeah, there we go. Um, you know? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it was it was just a thought that I had. I, I don't know why it just popped in as you were talking. You know how something sometimes somebody says something and it triggers a thought, but you don't know what that word was that triggered it. This is one of those moments. Um. So regarding Krampus and Santa Claus, mm. Santa was based off of Saint Nicholas, a a saint, a Christian mm. saint who basically sold all his belongings, traveled the world, giving to children and the poor. Now, let's not forget, got into bar fights. Yes, got into bar fights <laughs> on occasion too. Um, anyway, Santa is based off of that, right? But he's Mm. depicted as being somebody who can travel the world basically at light speed, hit everything real fast, uh, and then end up at the North Pole within, I guess, 24 hours, right? Um, He's he's basically godlike. And when he gets back, there's all these elves. Maybe these elves are angelic. And that would make Krampus one angel who maybe rose above the others and was cast out by Santa, becoming the devil elf. And now we have this similar Christ, like mirrored story of Christianity only within Christmas time, where Santa being the good God, if you will, um, who brings about joy and happiness and gifts. And then this devil who goes around tormenting and dealing basically abuse <laughs> to, to children, to minors. And of course, all these elves who kind of stay at the North Pole and continue to work hard to bring that extra joy for the following year to children. And whatever the reindeer are, maybe seraphs, because they're the closest to Santa. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, also, if you look back at where some of the origins of Santa come from, Odin is supposed to be actually Santa or what Santa is partially based off of Loki being the God of mischief. And today is depicted with the horns because of Marvel. Um, Maybe that's kind of where it comes from too. Very possible. I don't remember. Well, I don't know a whole lot of Norse mythology as well as I should, but I don't remember Loki disemboweling people or or stealing children and eating them. That's not to say no. it's not true, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about Loki. I know his children have a bad rep, but well, yeah, I mean, because the a... the wolf is the one that destroys the world. He is, but I think that's more circumstantial. If his, if his childhood was different, it wouldn't have turned out that way. I'm just saying. I'm a fan of Fenrir. I I pity him. I mean, if you if you say that, then you can say the exact same thing about Lucifer. Because well, the thing is, yes. Well, no. Here's why. So, Lucifer, according to scripture and just theology as well. He rose above, tried to rise above God. He he saw himself as beautiful, believed himself higher uh, than everything else, even believing he can even take God's spot, apparently. Because of that, he was cast out. 
he let his pride get the best of him. Now, yes, similarly, Fenrir had pride, and it did get the best of him, but he never believed himself to be above everyone else. In fact, Odin, uh, he allowed uh, Fenrir to stay within, what was the name of the city? Fenrir's? I can't remember. I, mean, I can't remember. Okay. So oh, he was, oh, allowed to, he was the only one, because Hell was sent to to Hell, basically, to Hades. Um, and then the world serpent was cast into the sea. And then Fenrir was the only one allowed to stay within the city and grow up and be part because he believed, because Odin believed uh, that basically Fenrir was the most feared. He's what the gods feared. And he believed that if he raised him himself, he would become like them. He could do good. But a prophecy came where Fenrir, the prophecy said that Fenrir would kill Odin and destroy the earth. And instead of Odin continuing to try to progress forward and show kindness to Fenrir, he locks him in chains, basically, and puts a sword through his mouth because he's too afraid of what he might become. And that act alone is what drove him to become the monster that he becomes, who eventually kills Odin out of, out of revenge and destroys the earth. If that one little act didn't happen, I truly think that maybe Fenrir would be a good guy. But can't the same be said about Lucifer? Yes and no. So <laughs> Lucifer, again, <clears throat> circumstantial, yes. But the problem is, again, Fenrir never said he was going to be better than Odin. He never stated he was going to take Odin's spot. He never had the pride to say, I'm better than all of you. Now, he believed he can get out of certain ch these chains. There, there's a whole story behind the chains because they locked him up three or four times uh, trying to trick him, manipulate him, using mm. his pride against him. And eventually he succumbed to it, knowing the last chains he wouldn't break free, but he gave in anyway and tried uh, and failed. And he bit off Tear's arm or hand, basically, and then had the sword shot through his mouth. Lucifer, on the other hand, from the very beginning, stated in his mind that he wanted to rise above the angels and above God himself. He had no reason to. It's just what he decided one day that I am better and I can be better than you and will be better than you. And because of that reason, he was cast out. And now there was, at least for time, a distinct moment in which God and Satan still interacted. And we see it in the book of Job where Satan was able and had access to go into the throne room and talk to God. But eventually he was closed off to that. Um, now, of course, there's a lot of theories behind it. Obviously, there's belief that the serpent in the Garden of Eden wasn't the devil, but actually a different creature altogether. It's believed that the serpent we hear about throughout the rest of scripture isn't the devil, nor the serpent at the beginning, but a different creature altogether, like Leviathan. Um, and that the devil is something that really didn't exist much until the New Testament, when Jesus uh, was born and be, you know came into his his. his lack of a better word, his priesthood or his ministry. Uh, the first time we truly see the devil is in, I believe it's the gospel of Matthew when Jesus is spends 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. And then the devil shows up to him and gives him uh, ultimatums basically. Um, 
at least that's the first time in the New Testament. Because as I just said, he did show up in Job, the book of Job. So who knows for real? I mean, that's the only problem with things like like the scriptures is there's history backing up some of it, but not enough to back up all of it. And when it comes to the right. spiritual stuff, we only know so much being that we are here on earth and not existing elsewhere right? throughout the known spiritual universe. And folks, who would have guessed that you would have had a history slash religious history section of this episode <laughs> we I, haven't done it in a really long time <laughs> i'm glad i'm drinking <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure our listeners are thinking the exact same thing uh, <laughs> but um any, anything else that i don't know necessarily that we've talked about or you've just kind of thought about over the years during christmas and, and going into Christmas on our episodes, is there anything in particular that you remember or is something that you would consider your favorite? In terms of episodes? Or Epi- episodes or just kind of like in general, if you've thought about something and you're like, oh yeah, you know, this always brings this back to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... I don't know. In, in regard, I mean, in regard to the show, I don't think there's too much other than what I'd already what I'd already talked about regarding Krampus in this case, mm. um, or the various shows that we've done. Because we, you know, we we we've, we've done episodes where we talk about Krampus or Santa or Christmas, but we've also had roundtable discussions, um, right? You know, things yeah. like that. We've never had a guest on for Christmas. Like, like we've never had. Would you, I don't know what else to call them because like we've had roundtable discussions where we have guests on, but I'm talking about like guests who maybe are um, like talking about something in regards to Christ or Christmas or anything like that. Yeah, like like specialists, I guess, in, in terms of Christ, uh, Christmas tradition or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've never had that. Uh, but, you know, the the one thing aside from 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 this aside from from the podcast you know it's christmas is one of those time of year times of year where i'm sure a lot of people feel this it's like a mix of emotions um it's like a mix of the joy at least for me where it's like the childhood you you know the child in you Mm. it's like oh it's christmas i still remember remember the christmas uh presents under the tree christmas morning remember waking up and trying to wake my sisters up or going to get my parents up or whatever you know stuff like that um, or going around and seeing lights, right? Christmas lights around around the city. But then, because life happens, there's this much darker side of Christmas. And there's a certain, for me, again, you know, you guys know that I, I struggle with like, um, um, I mean, I hate to call it mental illness, but that's what it is. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> so, you know, there's, the, I, I suffer with depression, right? And anxiety. And even with all the, the joy that Christmas brings, there's always a darker side to it because it's not just, sometimes it's like, oh, I feel lonely, right? Many Christmases, it's like that because I don't know. I mean, to be open, I guess, because why not? We, we've talked about so much here tonight. <laughs> you know, the last time that I celebrated Christian was, uh, Christmas with somebody other than family was about, well, in this case, about two years ago now, I guess. 
you know? And so it kind of gets depressing, especially when we get into New Year's. I don't know what it is about New Year's. I hate New Year's Eve. <laughs> I freaking hate it. I think it's everybody depressing. who's single hates New Year's it's Eve. Depressing. Um, you know, so I, I think that's that's the big thing, but also it, it's not just, you know, not having that significant other, but it's also, you know, remembering those who are no longer with us, you know, our grandparents, for example, how many times, you know, growing up at Christmas Eve, you know, I, I remember to this day very vividly going so many Christmas Eves that our grandparents pulling names out of a hat or a bucket or yeah. whatever so that like that was thanks sorry that was thanksgiving pulling names out of a bucket so that oh yeah christmas for Eve, christmas yeah we yep. could bring a gift to one of the cousins uh whoever's name we had it was like that secret santa type of thing uh so we i just talked that. to shelly about that actually not too long ago yeah you know and so you know th- there's things like that where it's like yeah it's never it'll never no matter how old we get it'll never be the same there's always going to be something new some new tradition and it'll never be like it was when we were kids. But on that same note, it's kind of like, at least nowadays, now that I have two nieces, for example, and <laughs> right. your brother has kids, your sister has kids, um, it's less about what we experience as children and trying to allow those children to experience what we experienced in new traditions. Keep the tradition going kind of a thing, yeah. Right. Well, and what about you? Luckily for you, your nieces are still young enough to embrace the magic. I don't know about my my nieces or or nephews, but two of them are old enough that I'm sure they don't believe in Santa anymore. Um, the other ones probably the magic is still there, but I I do agree with you as far as the memories is concerned. Is you know. Every Christmas is special, but you never forget the the wonder and awe that you had as a kid compared to today. Um, and, and I'm sure a lot of that just goes with adulthood in general. But I, I think things have shifted since we were kids that it's to the point that we wouldn't even recognize our traditions anymore because we've everything has shifted so much since we were kids. Um, Right. But um, we, we grew up with all of the, the normal traditional stuff because, uh, you know, our grandparents were Catholic or, or my other side was Protestant. Um, But in the Christian faith, regardless um and, and i think morals are a little bit different now too mm-hmm. so it not that this is a moral thing but people people don't try to to pass on the traditions of the past anymore or as much as in the past i guess no so. yeah it's it's definitely more more about modernization of the holidays and of everything really, you know, everyone right. wants that new gadget, you know, everyone wants to be connected, um, which is one of the reasons I like books so much. It's still a, it's something that feels 
it's starting to feel ancient at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I just ancient, had that conversation with somebody too. <laughs> you know, but it but it's the old tradition of like I didn't we didn't have electronics growing up in which we could read from. Like yes, we had like Game Boys or Segas, you know, handheld Segas, stuff like that eventually. Um that was more entertainment than the information highway that we have right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's like some of my favorite memories was like sitting in my sister's room reading goosebumps. Yeah. Like it's from the book, you know, <laughs> not not from my phone. Uh I mean back then our when I did finally have a phone, it was like a size of a brick, but you know, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we've taken you down memory lane from not just past paratruth episodes, but our life. Um but next week uh we'll have something special for our Christmas episode. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the holidays this year. Uh, 2022 has been hard with my family, but uh, I hope it's not been as hard for all of you. And uh, I hope that uh, Christmas and and New Year's bring a lot of great things for you guys. But we're going to keep bringing stuff to you. Christmas, our New Year's episode, it's all going to be awesome, awesome stuff. Anything uh, housekeeping-wise we need to talk about at all? Not really. Just, you know, as you said, Christmas is right around the corner. And then soon after that will be our, I mean, I wouldn't call it famous, but, you know, our our (laughs) Our infamous (laughs) New Year's episode. Uh, So, you know, that New Year episode is coming around. That's something we look forward to every single year. We're still working on what's going to be happening for that episode, but we assure you it'll be a a big ordeal uh, as it always is. Uh, But yeah, that's it. All right, folks until next week where you'll find us on paratruthradio.com, killerpodcast.com, wherever you get great podcasts. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is This is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. 
Yeah, yeah, right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.